The Shaggy Jenkins Show. We have to make Russia great again. On the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to it. It's a weekend review show where today we have got a lot to talk about, including the midterms, Donald Trump's wild attacks on the press, his own cabinet members, and reality as we know it. Plus, what are the scary, scary consequences now? that his legislation agenda could be stalled. We'll get to all of that in just a sec. Before I do, hi, everybody. I am your host, critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal and sane, always centered in common sense. My name, Shaggy Jenkins, and I'm always found at my website, shaggyjenkins.com, or wherever fine social media is served. At Shaggy Live, joining me from the windy city of Chicago, who last night was one of the cities that got blew over, literally blew over a little bit in, uh, oh God, what is the aftermath of the 2018 midterms? Please welcome the man to explain it all, information himself, Chris Bass. You have overcome, for I am here. Shaggy, I'm here with you as always, man. I am a fighter and believer of the media. Oh, man. Now, we have got to talk about this because to, to, today we are in the aftermath of a country where the president clearly is off the rails and is now in full assault mode. Um, let's talk about the press conference with CNN and Jim Acosta in the aftermath of the election, shall we? Yes, please get started because I cannot wait. Okay, okay. I just want to start off by asking you, for anybody that doesn't know how much the president's contempt for this whole kind of uh, free and open media is concerned, um, what in a nutshell would you say that that press conference showed us? It showed us three words about the president. Me, me, and me. I hate to say you're right. The but. president, yeah, yeah, the president, unfortunately, is not about country. He's about himself. And when you're dealing with the press, it's not the press's fault that you can't answer any questions. And when it comes to certain questions, he tends to, for example, when you see him in the Oval Office or see him in other parts of the government uh, in offices, he gets mad and folds his hands and arms up like a, you know, like a fifth uh, grader or somebody younger. And he does the same thing with the podium. At the podium, if he, if he can't answer or gets upset, he'll walk away from the podium to ignore the reporter or the press and then walk back and have these vile things to say. That's how he operates. But when we talk about how Trump operates, okay, here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> he has had, and, and can I say the word boner? He's had a kind of particular bone-er to pick with uh, Jim Acosta from CNN, why is it that Jim seems to be, especially in the aftermath of the, 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 the midterms, seems to be the bullseye for Trump? Because that's how fake news was born. You go back to the press conference, uh, Trump went after CNN's Jim Acosta, pointed to him, and said, you're fake news next. That's why Jim Acosta has the bullseye around his back because he's signaled now from day one. And it's also twofold because where I come from, where I'm concerned is, see, Jeff Zucker is the current head of CNN. He was formerly programming chief at NBC when Trump was overdoing The Apprentice and then the Celebrity Apprentice. So who said it in it but heads a few times? 
Because why go sticking out all the networks, CNN? The connection is Jeff Zucker, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Now, Zucker, I guess you can say, has been one of those guys that has tried to kind of downplay the bullseye that Trump's put on him. And, and this is the thing that we've got to touch on, because that bullseye came to a literal bullseye not too long ago when one of Trump's wacky supporters decided to send a, a pipe bomb to the CNN headquarters. Now, this is the thing, Chris, when we talk about these kind of actions, are we shocked that the president himself kind of jumps up uh, in front of the media, even after knowing that he's caused attacks against them? We shouldn't be surprised because it goes back to the original statement. A president, a sitting president, should not be acting this way. He should not be comporting himself from a mean-spirited position. Uh, he should not be bullying or taunting or any of those things. But yet he does that. And so the GOP, the conservative right, either obviously you're all in with this man or you're not. And people like to, I do believe, disagree with him because they can't forsake a party. Case in point, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham at one point will come out and say things he didn't like about the president, and then he does a Michael Jackson moonwalk two days later, and all of a sudden they're friends again. So nobody can attack this man because he's become, I hate to say it, Teflon. And nobody will say anything against it because for fear of the wrath or not being a part of a party that needs to be together. The GOP have been trying to find something to identify with for a long time, and they can't. Whether it was a Tea Party years ago, and now with Trump, because it wasn't about the GOP or the Republicans, it's always been about Trump. And so now, he has emasculated the Republican Party and made it about his party, which is himself. Uh, yeah, because... <laughs> That was one of the things that I brought up on yesterday's show. We have a very, very big problem with a, a, a political party basically becoming nothing but a persona of one and everybody else becoming persona non grata. With right. the, the, the Democrats now taking the House again, oh my God, could we actually see Congress forced to do its job and kind of forced to rein in the president a little bit when he goes on these tirades against people like Jim Acosta? You have to be fearless. And it's about not putting Trump himself first, but putting America first, putting the country first. And that has to be the galvanizing point on both sides of the aisle. Since the Democrats took over the House now, there has to be some sort of set plan to push back. If you don't push back, you're just as emasculated as the GOP uh, currently is. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Let's, as long as we're talking about emasculated, um, breaking news, we have to talk about Jeff Sessions. That's a good transition. Yes, it is. You know, because, I mean, if you want to talk about a guy that has been emasculated, has been eviscerated, who has been just gutted by the guy yeah. that hired him, is it any surprise that the, the, the big news this week is that Jeff Sessions finally turned in his resignation to Donald Trump? Well, you and I both know, and others know, it was a forced uh, letter of resignation. I doubted if Jeff Sessions said, uh, go on, boss, fire me. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think he said that. His resignation letter, of course, is standard procedure. Um, Trump has already tapped uh, Matthew Whitaker, uh, chief of staff, to act as a attorney general at this point. The thing about Sessions is that it all goes back to when he recused himself from the whole Russian probe, 
When he did that, he was already marked, I'm going to say for death, don't use, I wouldn't use that term, for marked for future unemployment to where we are now. You know, the thing is, though, is like, uh, speaking of future unemployment, doesn't it seem a little weird that instead of the deputy attorney general, that would be Rob Rosenstein, uh, taking the position in the interim, Donald Trump kind of skipped over him and went to sessions like third or fourth guy in Whitaker? Well, yeah, I mean, again, you see, there's no stability in, in the administration. We've seen that. It's a revolving door. It mirrors his TV show on The Apprentice. Everybody's fired. He said today at the press conference that I could fire everybody if I wanted to. See that firing thing? See, he doesn't believe, as the old folks said when I was coming up, he'll believe fat meat is greasy. He believes that he's still on television, they still celebrity. For example, he goes after Jim Acosta on CNN, talking about if you ran CNN, you would have better ratings. You know, See, something's wrong somewhere. Uh, and and there, there has to be something wrong when we analyze the aftermath of Sessions and Trump or Trump's relationship because mm-hmm. Sessions, very oddly, has been one of those guys that's kind of been standing up for Mueller's investigation and even standing up for himself saying, I was right and it was within my legal bounds and my ethical bounds to recuse myself. But... Right. The, the thing is, is that the new guy on the block, he sees no qualms about it. Mueller is a mm-hmm. witch hunt. Well, that's that's an interesting thing to say to get people off the scent. Uh, you always say things, do things to get people off your track. But if if I was Mueller, this is the time to go back to Sessions and interview him mm. because he's been scorned. He's been fired from the man who he helped get elected. He was by his side from day one, and now he's he got the axe. This is the time for the Mueller investigation to bring in Jeff Sessions, and you'll most likely get a different story. You know, it is kind of funny. I, I would love to see within the next couple of weeks, the headlines are Sessions meeting with Mueller's investigation team. And <laughs> the funny thing is, is that, okay, I, I just got to ask this, likelihood yeah. of a Sessions book. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's part of the deal. You become part of the Trump administration. You hang out for a little bit, how long it is. They get fired and then get the book deal. And then you go hawk it on the talk shows and you make a a nice little buck out of it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I could just imagine his. It would be Smurf Village, a tale from the little office of attorney general. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I would buy buy that. I'll buy that book. (laughs) I I, I know. A Keebler's elf journey through the Justice Department. Um, These are all working titles. Well, split personality between... uh, a Keebler elf and a granny from the old uh, Beverly Hillbillies uh, TV show. Actually, you know, I, I got to say probably a split personality more likely between granny of the Beverly Hillbillies and creature mm-hmm. from the Harry Potter series. You, ah, OK. I can see that, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dobby's friend who was, dare oh, yeah. I say, even I uglier. Remember. Yeah, he did. And he, he got the sock because that was the presence. Right. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Oh, he, even well, even that uh, the other uh, creature from I didn't follow, but the the Lord of the Ring movies, 
My precious. You know, you throw them in there, too. You know, the the sad thing is, is when it does come to the Department of Justice, Jeff Sessions has behaved a little like Smeagol when it comes to, oh, my precious, because he has done his absolute best to stack the judiciary in the favor of Donald Trump's master plan of reforming America. This is the thing, Chris. Mm -hmm. Now that Sessions is out, do you think that Donald Trump is going to find somebody as successful as Jeff Sessions was at stacking the judiciary branch with these deeply conservative justices and judges? No, I, what Trump wants is people to be loyal to him, be loyal to the throne. And even that could be questioned. So it starts off like anything like a, like a nice honeymoon. You know, I now pronounce you uh, Trump and uh, evil servant and you may kiss, you know, the bride. And then once the honeymoon's over with, it becomes, what have you done for me lately? And that's to anybody on his staff. It's, it's amazing how uh, the loyalty factor is not there at all. It starts off, you know, nice, and it comes off very, you know, embracing, but it doesn't last long. Mm, yeah, and this relationship has lasted a lot longer than people thought. Um, mm. For months, Sessions has been, uh, God, just... Just like pencil thin margins of keeping safety and keeping favor with Trump. And isn't it a little odd to you the the auspicious timing of Trump trying to clean his cabinet out? It is. I mean, when you think about what he was gloating about, the so-called victories that the GOP had and uh, saying that everything was going to be fine. And, uh, for example... Uh, the Florida race that he mentioned about the other candidate on the Democratic side used Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey as celebrity star power. And here, meaning himself, me, once again, me, 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 me and Trump, I went with help DeSantis and look what happens. Uh, he wins, you know, the race as governor of Florida. So again, you know, he makes it about himself. But when you take it to a level of narcissism, which is what the president has, mm-hmm. you can't win. Because for one thing, you're not him. You, you can't, if you were a clone of him, you would keep your job. But since you're not, you're just there for a little bit. Or if you're like-minded, you may keep your job for a little bit. Or if you his mouthpiece, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know, the White House press secretary, other than that, the loyalty is never there. You know, and the funny thing is, is if you're really too much like um, <clears throat> Donald Trump, you end up being Scaramucci, uh, you know? <laughs> right, right. Some, you, you can't have two Donald Trumps. Somebody got to go. Right. They was like, this is too much Trump for one place. Please, one of you leave. And Scaramucci was like, exactly. oh, I'm out. Right. Uh, and for that reason, I'm out. Now, uh, the thing is, is that, uh, okay, the, the replacement that Donald Trump has chosen is not Rob mm-hmm. Rosenstein, who is the deputy, uh, the deputy attorney general. And as the right. deputy attorney general, right now, he is the guy that is overseeing Mueller's investigation because the attorney general of the United States was recused. When it comes to uh, Whitaker, who is um, very vocal in the past media about thinking that this is a witch hunt, thinking that this is a waste of taxpayers' resources and things like that. When it comes to his position on this, he's not recused, Chris. And and the thing is, is that because he's not recused, he's now 
instead of Rob Rosenstein, he's now in charge of the Mueller investigation. So I got to ask, man, um, what happens from here with that? What happens from here is, again, you have another Trump mouthpiece is going to go on the record and saying this is a colossal waste of time, uh, to quote what you said, what the Trump president said, and him about it being a witch hunt. So all this is going to be another mouthpiece for Trump. But what happened is it wouldn't surprise me if he tried to interfere with the ongoing investigation case, because what they're doing is they're stalling time for the inevitable. I believe that the Mueller investigation will prove to the rest of the world that the man in office is not fit and he has done all these illegal things, but once we get to that point, it's still an investigational process. And someone like Whitaker is there to keep them at bay. Mm. That's what I believe his job is going to be. Well, it does seem kind of odd because let's let's back up and, and, and just analyze a couple of things here. First off, we had the firing of James Comey. Then yes. we had the stacking of the judiciary with all these conservative pro-Trump judges. Then we had not one, but two Supreme Court justices that are very loyal to Trump as much as people try to forget. Neil Gorsuch got into the Supreme Court by us fundamentally changing the law of how justices are approved. And that change was used to put Kavanaugh in. And Kavanaugh and Gorsuch kind of do feel, and this is a scary thing, they kind of do feel a, a judiciary allegiance to Donald Trump. So with yes, they do. all of this groundwork put in, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, as much as it pains me to say that Jeff Sessions um, was a horrible attorney general, when it comes to how Donald Trump is treating him now, Donald Trump is basically saying, I've used you up to the very last drop, and now you're done to me. Is that what you see, too? Yes. I mean, I go back to the old uh, Bill Withers song uh, when he used the uh, title, Keep Using Me Until You Use Me Up. And that's what he did with Jeff Sessions. He used them completely till he's dried up. I can't do no more with him. I used them already. Mm. So now it's time for me to find out who else I can use in that position. Yeah. And when it comes to Whitaker, he's he's hoping that because he's coming in and he says from the Department of Justice standpoint, oh, witch hunt. And I have a couple of justices that I know are sitting on Supreme Court. They're going to back me up. You think that this is Donald Trump's ultimate end game and why he was kind of gloating when he did that attack against Acosta? Because, hey, at the end of the day, the DAC is stacked in Donnie's favor, baby. Well, it is, but at the same time, there's a certain way to go about things, a certain decorum, like I said earlier in the conversation. And going back to the whole thing we did against uh, Jim Acosta, when you can't answer a question and you're the president, then that's your fault. For one thing, Trump does not do a lot of press conferences. So people talk at the bit media-wise to ask some questions that he usually uh don't do in person. It's usually through Sir Huckabee Sanders, press secretary in the White House. So now he comes to president himself. You got to ask him a question because the next time will probably what, be another six months to a year if he disappears again. So you got to ask the question: Do you do diligence as a reporter and do that? But the fact that you go after singling out again Jim Acosta or um, other people that are on there that are trying to do their job, like NBC's Peter Alexander. These people 
have credible uh, credible reporting skills. They're 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 good people, but yet you fear them because why? They're too much to the truth of asking questions you can't answer. Mm, and when it comes to asking questions. A lot of questions were asked, kind of, of Jeff Sessions as far as why are you not loyal to the president versus why are you actually following the law and recusing yourself? Um, Chris, do you ever really think that Sessions was going to have a long life under Trump? Of course not. Of course not. That was never in the play of the cards being dealt. You are dealt a hand that you cannot win. This is Donald Trump's way of playing poker. The house always wins. Trump is the house. You lose. Gosh. Hey, speaking of losers, can we talk about Sean Hannity? That's a great segue. Of course we can talk about Sean Hannity. He's a loser by far. Okay, look, um, in this weird kind of state media that New Fox is going to become, you know, they've already appointed several Trump people. They are literally in bed with them. As far as Kim Guilford and Donald Trump Jr. And of course, a lot of people said that Sessions is getting out right now because of Donald Trump Jr. being under the radar of Mueller. But when it comes to media, though, Sean Hannity particularly is kind of a slimy character, isn't he? Very much so. My my so-called connection with Sean Hannity is the following. Uh, when I was at WLS and I was training... Uh, to be a tech producer before I became a talk show host, I was trained on the Rush Limbaugh show. That means um, running the board, commercial breaks, coming in and out of the live feed, or on tape delay, depending on what we did. And that's how I was trained. So occasionally, this unknown guy named Sean Hand would come in and fill in for Rush. This is what I liked about him then. I, I don't like him now. I hate his guts now, but like him back in the day. At least back in the day, Handy would take calls from both sides of the ideal uh, ideology per, uh, perspectrum. He would have the right and the left call in. And Rush is very guarded because all his people call in are on the right. At least with Sean, he went back and forth, which I think makes for a better program. That's just my personal opinion. Now, when he became part of the Fox uh, so-called fair and balanced crap that happened um, – yeah, he became more slimier than usual. And only the fact that, like anything else, greed and money and power and fame, and he became uh, another version of Rush Limbaugh. If you think about it, he was able to benefit from that. But once upon a time ago, when it comes to certain people in the media, the media would have strength and power. A, a history lesson real quick. When Walter Cronkite was the newsman and anchor for CBS Evening News, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson at the time was um, was president about uh, during the time of the Vietnam War. And so at first, Walter Cronkite was for the Vietnam War until he went over to Vietnam and saw for himself. Cronkite goes back to CBS and says, Mr. Johnson, all due respect, President Johnson, this war is not, in, is not where we should be. We shouldn't be in the war. And he went from wanting the war to happen and being a pro-war to anti-war. It was Lyndon B. Johnson who said, if I lost Walter Cronkite, I've lost the nation. That was a big statement at the time. But when it comes to Donald yeah. Trump, when he loses the media, or in this case, when Sean Hannity in the media loses his mind, 
It doesn't yeah. do anything but prove the nation has been lost for a couple of years, does it? Of course it has. And so what what Handy has done, for one thing, if it walks like a duck and quacks, it, it's ducking. So for him, for example, Sean Handy, to say that I would not be trumping or stumping for stomping for Trump for his you no know, campaign, he says that and does does the bow face and shows up in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is ironically Rush, Rush Limbaugh's hometown, and he appears there to support President Trump. So, we, look, the media, as far as Fox News is concerned, has always been for the conservative. That's why they put the, the, the network in the first place, to have that audience for red states or red people who vote conservatively. So that being said, this is just an open invitation for us to say, you know what, the the deal has been cut years ago. Now we're seeing out in the open. You know, the funny thing is, as you said, the red people, and I'm thinking, <clears throat> no, the red people are kind of wondering what are all the white people doing supporting the orange man. <laughs> I yeah. mean, as long as we're throwing colors out there. But Hannity, sure. when he was out on the stump for Trump, uh, he, he basically forwarded a couple of more conspiracy theories. He overstepped his bound as a journalist. And I mean, we've only got like 45 seconds here, Chris. And I, yeah. I, I actually want to come back from the break and talk more sure. about this, this, this subject. But in a nutshell, I just want to ask you a question. Can we consider... In any sense of the word, Sean Hannity as relevant? No. No. He is the Trump whisperer. You cannot take him seriously unless you believe in what he says, because obviously we can see it documented that he calls the man or Trump calls him vice versa on a daily basis. He takes his cues from what uh, he gives to Trump. So he has Trump's ear. So you cannot take him seriously because he's already biased. Yeah, well, I tell you what, because we got to come back and talk a little bit more about that bias, I have to talk about how Sean Hannity, when he did this whole walking out on the podium for Donald Trump, how he crossed a line, and I'm, I'm going to just throw this out here, Chris, as we go to break, we will never get that line back, and that is so bad for guys like me and you. Coming up, we'll talk about how Sean Hannity screwed the media and more as we go through the Week in Review. It is the Shaggy Jenkins Show. Welcome to 60 Second Civics, the daily podcast of the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. Each of the 13 American colonies had some features of representative democracy that we still see today. For example, each of the colonies had a legislative, executive, and judicial branch. Colonial legislatures held a great deal of power, but were elected only by a small group of people, white male property owners. Women, indentured servants, Native Americans, and enslaved people were typically not allowed to vote. The King of England would appoint a governor in some colonies. 
In others, such as Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Delaware, the governors were the proprietors of the colonies. Only in Connecticut and Rhode Island were the governors elected. The courts administered justice in the colonies, and judges followed strict rules of procedure. The American colonists also understood that they had the rights of Englishmen, which were the common law rights that people also enjoyed in England. The colonists were protected by the rule of law. The legislatures, governors, and the courts were charged with ensuring that government proceed in accordance with both written laws and long-established customs and traditions. Finally, as we've mentioned, the colonies featured representative government in the form of representative assemblies elected by at least some of the people. However, in order to vote for either the upper or lower house of the legislature, men had to own a certain amount of property. That's all for today's podcast, 60 Second Civics, where civic education only takes a minute. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. More news, less alternative facts. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back to it. Hey, if you'd ever like to support a free and open media, you should have voted blue in this week's midterms uh, you should also jump on to patreon and look for the shaggy jenkins show where we have a fine membership program and and we do that all because we thank you for your support uh one of those people on bended knee thanking you it's not boys to men it's actually me grown-ass middle-ass men uh my name is shaggy jenkins i'm a critical thinker problem solver guy that's just left normal insane and found on a website called shaggyjenkins.com Ironic the name, isn't it? You can also find me on social media at Shaggy Live. Joining me is the man in the middle. And and let's just go ahead and say that I have waited a whole week to get him back on the show because he's been in such demand lately. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the information base himself, Chris Base. Uh, thank you, Shaggy. The Shaggy Jenkins Show also stands for We Don't Like Sean Hattie. I'm sorry, because but we don't, because we don't. If we had to do a resistance <laughs> moment on this show, and and here's the thing, because we've picked yeah. up a couple of networks in uh, uh, West Virginia. We are on FYINation.com. Hi, FYINation.com. New affiliate to the Shaggy Jenkins Show. Um, these guys are typically broadcasting to people in those red, red territories, and when it comes to mm. My stance on the show, I always try to tell people I'm an enemy of nobody except the BS. And I cannot, 
for all intents and purposes, no matter how much I try, no matter how much I try to be like a kid and hold my nose as I take a bite of it, no matter which slice of the Sean Hannity pie I get, it all tastes like poo. And I really yeah. don't like the guy. And the reason why is because when we were getting ready to go into the break, I had mentioned a line that he had crossed that we can never get back again. Chris, what is it about people like Sean Hannity that don't realize that if you present yourself as a journalist, even if you're not, and you campaign for somebody, you have sullied journalism as an institution? You just said it, present yourself as a journalist. Me, personally, I never took Sean Handy as a journalist. I took him as a mouthpiece for the conservative party. And I just always viewed him that way. So, again, the line, as far as I'm concerned, has already been crossed a long time ago. We're just seeing it for the first time in public. So, again, when we get the stories about Sean Handy having conversations with the president, that already had crossed a, a line. And what other stuff we don't know about, about habitual line crossing that Hannity has already, already done that we're not privy to. So him just showing out in public is like the old saying, when the old saying with certain young people, he showed and showed out. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Once again, uh, Rupert Murdoch and Roger Ailes started Fox News back in 1996. Yeah, 96. To counter that Right. And so when you deal with that type of history, and they were very successful, you call it for what it is, uh, uh, the O'Reilly spin, uh, spin factor, you know, the no spin zone, all that stuff was very successful. Uh, Bill O'Reilly had wrote books and everything else. The uh, number one cable show in that time slot for almost uh, over uh, close to 20 years. So it, it paid off in dividends. And Sean Handy had a number two show after that. So when you look at the power perspective, Mm-hmm. And the power play that Sean Handy has shown to be next to the throne, quote unquote, and which he has has done with Trump, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know what? This line has already been crossed. I don't care. And for him not doing that, for people who do take him seriously as a journalist, I feel sorry for them. But in the eyes of most people, the line has been crossed. And like you said earlier, Shaggy, we can never get that back. Never. <laughs> And this is the thing. A lot of people don't understand. What does it mean you can never get it back? They don't understand that. Look, at the end of the day, Chris, the guys like me and you that are on free and open media and are trying to create our own media through podcasting and stuff like that, it impacts how people see our trustworthiness. And I'm sorry, but if I was standing next to... Sean Hannity, I would like somebody to be able to recognize which one of us is actually a caring, empathic, feeling human being, and which one of us is a marshmallow stuffed into an overpriced suit and given a contract with Fox News. But see, as you know with certain people, Shaggy, you know, broadcasting could be very addictive. You know, it's one of those things where if you get into it, can you let it go? The noble thing and the correct thing that Handy should have done was to, you know what, I'm here's my resignation. I'm leaving Fox News to be a part of the Trump administration. That's what he should have done. And then that way you sever ties from your broadcasting uh, entity and go right into working for the administration with Trump. That would have been the right thing to do. 
But when you want your cake and eat it too, this is what you get. <laughs> I hate to say it, but <clears throat> when it comes to the cake that is Sean Hannity, he is, and, and we all know how cakes work, right? There's layers, yeah, there's yeah. frosting, and, and, and it has to be done in exactly the right proportions or it tastes like, you know, poo. Uh, when it yeah. comes to Sean Hannity, he is very, as far as put together in front of people, he is fondant, but as soon as you cut that fondant and you actually get to the cake, oh, good, it is the worst, driest, flakiest, whitest, terriblest blandest cake you've ever had shoved with way too much filler and way too little substance but the thing is is that sean hannity has done something that other people at fox news have flirted with but he actually took full advantage of it chris are we living in danger right now of media actually becoming fully politicized in the united states well, we're already there. Uh, let's go back to the whole thing with Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta said that when he's reporting for CNN and he goes on the trail with the president, for example, Trump campaigning for Republican candidates, that he gets bombarded with people yelling at him saying CNN sucks and fake media. So you can only amount, uh, think about the pressure that you have as a reporter trying to do your job and somebody verbally is attacking you. The, and I hate to put bad news into it, but the one step after that is physically attacking a person in the media. That's the next step. And we're on the threshold of that because of Trump. The thing about Handy is that Handy is a person who's just a money grabber, uh, uh, an attention grabber, or I say attention whore, because he wants it all. And again, had he done the right thing, and I don't mean right as conservative, but right as a moral sense, quit Fox News and work for Trump, and then that would have been fantastic. But no, 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 uh-uh. You want to have everything, and that line again, in my opinion, has already been crossed, but now we've seen the grand show in front of us, and it does make it harder for people because when they see that, they're going to question you or question me or anybody else in the broadcasting field to say, okay, what is their real agenda? Who are they really trying to support? Mm. When it comes to Hannity, he's like Trump, though. He's supporting Hannity. He cares nothing about the institution of journalism. And let's just be honest, for the most part, he really doesn't care about his compatriots over at Fox News either, does he? No, of course not. Because when you have a person that tells you uh, back on uh, Fox News, whether it was Roger Ailes, Robert Murdoch, or anybody else, mostly Roger Ailes, because Roger Ailes was the money man behind Rush Limbaugh and the same thing with Sean Hannity. When someone's in your ear telling you that you are the face of this network, you are the star of this network, it obviously goes to your ego and to your mind. So when people, is someone like a Roger Ailes is telling you this, you believe it because you got to go out there and make it happen. And the thing about, again, with Hannity is that nothing of his compatriots, as you said, over there at Fox, because there are people that work for Fox who may not want to cross that line. Maybe they still want to hold on to whatever integrity, you want to call it that, uh, in broadcasting and in journalism. But because of him, what he did is going to put a mark on everybody that works there. You know, and this is the thing, aren't they really marked enough over at Fox News as kind of quote-unquote state media? 
At the same time, it could be an embracement. I mean, look at the president's favorite show, Fox and Friends. I mean, they can't do any everything Trump does is beautiful. He can walk on water. You know, he he he's orange. He's great, and everything's fantastic. Kumbaya. The only time it went up against Fox went up against uh, Fox went up against him was the Helsinki situation. That was the only time I saw them even question their their leader. And they were like, what is he doing? How come he didn't, you know, be more forceful towards uh, Vladimir Putin? That was the only time I saw them actually have any time your your own base of a network questions you. I can only imagine what uh, Trump was going through. That's the only time I saw any type of clarity. Other than that, they went back to work the following day. Oh, God. You know, and this is the thing, too, because Hannity has been one of those people that has been responsible for smearing a lot of dirt on a lot of Democratic hopefuls in the midterms. And one of those hopefuls, I kind of want to switch gears. One, because if we talk about Sean Hannity anymore, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to eat my lunch. Uh, and, and, oh, please. Got to eat. You got to eat. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but Sean Hannity is the best dietary supplement in America, as well as the best reason to stop an orgasm. Um, but, um, oh, you know, some people think of baseball. I, some people think of Hannity. Uh, yeah, that's true. I like my orgasm, so I don't need him to stop mine. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, he would stop <laughs> yours on principle. Let's just remember that. Uh, I, I, no, he ain't going to get away with mine. I, I, he, he, he can't stop my flow, man. That's a whole different conversation. Man. <laughs> well, I mean, somebody that is absolutely right now denying anybody stopping her flow, we have got to bring this up. She yeah. will not relent. And that might be a good thing. What do you know mm-hmm. about the latest coming out of Georgia and the race between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams? Well, Stacey Abrams will not concede to the votes. It's a very close call there in Georgia. And I don't blame her because the one thing I like about her and other Democrats like her is that they fight. They're fighters. And, you know, they, she's catching hell from it because they're saying, you know, how won't she concede or, you know, make the phone call to Kemp? No, she wants to recount. She wants to make sure that if I'm going to do it, let me do it right. And plus, they've been uh, reporting of voter fraud and uh, you know, and suppression and things of that nature, where that's been going on for years in that state. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it, as they say, with certain people's mindsets. And you've had people stalling for a certain political uh, policy, uh, polls for like two hours. You know, before they got a chance to vote. And so, you know, the fix was in from the beginning. So I don't mind a Stacey, you know, Abrams saying, look, let's do this again. Let's have a recount because everything that was trickery that came from Kemp and his people and his cronies are not going to get in the way of progress. So let her be steadfast. And, and, and mark and, you know, stay in her ground. Well, this is the thing about that story that really gets me because uh, Republicans are going, oh, God, here she is. She's another one of those liberal obstructionists. But when it comes to laws in the state of Georgia, the numbers are so close that by law, it will probably trigger a runoff election that won't, won't happen until December. Now, Right. When your state law is set up like that, how do you tell the detractors, hey, guys, this has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with policy. You have to re-educate the, your, your enemy, uh, your people. You have to do an education time. It's like, OK, here's Professor 
Abrams, have a seat. We're going to go through this lesson. It has to be said because if you don't know, then you're going to be in the dark, literally. What's great about this situation is that when you have people who believe in a movement, like what she could, what she's doing is the movement, as far as I'm concerned. It, it could be the mark, not only historically, African-American female, but it's the fact that a new wave of voice that needs to be heard in these political times. And if she can galvanize that and keep it moving forward and say, for example, they do have a recount in December and she does become, you know, in her position to be elect, then again, that is a progression for people who are involved in that movement. So you cannot ignore that. So the people that are involved, I know it's, it's tedious, it's time consuming, but the payoff could be uh, tremendous. You know, and, and this is the thing, because I completely forgot to mention earlier that Jim Acosta has had his press credentials pulled from the White House now. Oh, come on, man. See, I, I, I'm not even kidding. But when it comes... I know you're not. When it comes to Stacey Abrams and, and, and really what is going to be a case of Georgia law versus what the Republicans and conservatives won't, look... They're they're suspending reporters from press pool. They're suppressing votes by calling it hacking. Remember, Brian Kemp did that. They're also saying that, oh, we have to analyze all these votes because, you know, there was a court decision that all those votes we threw out are back in and we got to figure out a way to get those votes back out. With all this stuff going on, look, at the end of the day, does Georgia come out looking like the bastion of Southern culture and hospitality after all this? Yeah, unfortunately, because of the stained history that it has, Confederate flags and good old boys and moonshine, stuff like that, it's in the past, but it's still there through different ways of going about it. So the game has changed, but the players are still the same. So you can still play the game. You just have to rotate different players. Uh, You have to uh, change up your uniform, change up your appearance, but it's the same old game. So again, with Stacey Abrams, Knowing what game this is and knowing what's at stake, you have to change up and fight and fight and continue to fight some more. But this is the thing. When it comes to extended, protracted fights, Chris, people get tired. And when it comes to this fight, it's not nearly over yet. So what do we do to keep those people motivated and in the fight? You have to be in it for the long haul. And you just can't be in it for victories because there will be times where uh, you may have failures. The only way to learn how to walk is to fall and get back up again and try to walk again. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your failures. The key thing is not to have so many mistakes and not so many failures. So when you're going for the long haul, for the long fight, there are going to be times where you might get knocked down, but you get back up again. Not sooner said than done, but it's part of life. The struggle is real. That's life in general. So you just can't let uh, always someone to belittle you, to put you down, for you not to fight. They don't want to fight you because they're afraid that they may get knocked down. But the only way you're going to try it is to get up and at least give it, as they say, the old college try and believe in what's at stake. You know, I, I mean, because we, we, we're going to run out of time here real quick, and I do kind of want to sure. bring this up. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to moods of the week— And if we had to assess at the end of this, because at the end of the day, this is all 
on the shoulders of Donald Trump. Chris, let's let's take a moment to assess. Is the president this week in a good or bad mood? And why do you think that is? Uh, he would probably say that he's in a good mood because everybody likes him. He always says that everybody likes me. But I, I, I get the feeling that he's lying to himself. And so it's, it's false perception that he feels everybody likes me when they don't. This is I'm dating myself. I don't care. You're not Sally Field winning the Academy Award. You like me. Everybody likes me. We like Sally Field. We don't really care for you, Donald Trump. So he has to real. I think he knows this because he'll go back in this bubble. He'll watch Fox and Friends and, you know, get that all hype up again about how much it's all about him, him, him. And then we get back out of his bubble. He'll come back out and do his show all over again. But to him, he'll feel like everything is okay. But behind the scenes, he's definitely uh, pissed off to the high point of passivity. You know, and this is the thing about uh, Donald Trump, because it kind of... It kind of seems that, especially with the ousting of Jeff Sessions, look, and we know this was coming, Donald yes. Trump Jr., the guy that he has been trying to protect because, let's just face it, is too stupid to protect himself, Donald Trump Jr. was facing possible indictments, possible uh, escalations of Mueller's investigation. Um, the blue rising tide, not so much blue wave, but the blue rising mm. tide happened this week, and now... There is a full-on media backlash in the aftermath of Donald Trump suspending the press credentials of Jim Acosta from CNN. So here's the thing. With all of this stuff going on, I got to ask you, Chris, what will it take to make the president happy? Because this is the thing. I, I'm going to say that if it's me... No future would make the president happy. What about you? Nothing at all. I've been in talk radio now for over 25 years and news talk and doing shows and producing shows. And I've never seen anything like this before in my lifetime. Uh, this president has no compassion, uh, not fit to be a human being, let alone uh, the president of the United States. And it's only going to get worse than this. He cannot be content because he hates himself. And when he hates himself, he hates others. And for Jim Acosta and CNN and the media to be called the enemy of the people, those words are galvanizingly hurtful to say they're enemies. What's going to go back to Jim Acosta when I told you the story he told about reporting the president and the onlookers saying that CNN sucks and things of that nature and fake news? So when you take away a Jim Acosta's credentials, anybody's up for grabs. I also read in the story that uh, Sir Huckabee Sanders was laughing when the whole thing between Trump and Jim Acosta was going on. As, as much as petty as that sounds, it's very petty, I believe that. Because it's like going home or being with your parents. Daddy, he's picking on me. That's all right, sweetheart. I'll take care of it myself. And that's what he did, because he even said, I don't like the way you treat uh, Sarah Sanders. It's disgusting. I'm like, dude, Sarah Sanders is like you. She don't like anybody. She calls out and makes fun of people all the time, but yet Jim Acosta got, you know, hit for it. The man's an idiot. He's a moron. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, are we really going to say that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is kind of a defenseless creature? Because we've seen the press conferences. She's always claws out. Always, always. Come on now. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah. The, the, the thing is, is because, I mean, we've got like four minutes here. Uh, sure. 
I have I've got to bring this up though because speculation was is that Trump knows that right now the noose is tightening in on his inner circle with the investigation. And, and when mm-hmm. it comes to his mood after the midterms, I'm going to say is specifically specifically a little bit worse because do you know who ended up in charge of the Sen- uh, I'm sorry, the House of Representatives uh, investigative panel on finances? Uh, tell me. Maxine Waters. Aunt Maxie. That's, yeah, I want to hear you say it. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I think she is going to reclaim her time. What do you think? Uh, it, it, revenge is usually best served cold. Yeah. And here's the thing. The relationship between the White House and Maxine Waters has always been cold. As a matter of fact, her name should be Maxine Ice Woman at this point because of the the, the cold relationship. But, Chris, going into next week, because, you know, this is our last show of the week. We take a break for the weekend. What do you think people are going to see over the weekend is there going to be another saturday night massacre as it's kind of been set up right now or are we going to see another trump tyrant on twitter that kind of leads to a weird and awkward monday morning we're going to see all the above i mean right now if you didn't think all the stops were pulled after today's debacle at the white house what i believe it was with the press you're going to see more than what you expected you talk about, and you use this word, we were going back and forth, um, corresponding, unhinged. There's no more hinges. There's no more door. There's nothing. And so you thought what you saw today at the White House was something. We haven't seen anything left. You haven't seen anything. Nothing. This is just, this is just a taste of what you're going to see this man's going to do. This is nothing. Gosh. And, and this is the thing, too, because... I, I was watching all of these events, and I'm thinking, yeah, it is a little unhinged, but Mm-mm. I want to just ask real quick here. We got like mm, sure. no, about a minute and a half to answer this. Chris, mm-hmm. um, could this be all a part of Donald Trump's master plan, though? Uh, I don't see it as a master plan. I don't think he's that smart. I, I do believe that it's just him being him on GP. This is just how he is. And go back to the whole thing, for example, with Charlottesville, when you could have, as the leader of this free country, you could have been a healer in chief, but yet you want to say it's wrong on both sides. No, if somebody has a billy club and go inside my head and I fight back, that's not both sides. That's me protecting myself. That's what's happening. But you want to, you know, uh, call it it's wrong on both sides. No, it's not. The person who's trying to beat the hell out of me, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, and that's where we've got to talk about leaving the show for this week. Right is right, and wrong is wrong, and does now this blue rising tide, last question, actually help us restore as a nation knowing the difference between right and wrong? It does help, because now you have more women that's involved in politics now. They've won various races. You have two Muslim faith women that are on board here, so... That's going to show a difference. For the first time in American history, when you see the House and Senate, it'll be the first time that a microcosm of this country of America is actually shown. 
Oh, man. And trust me, with uh, white men only comprising 35% of the population and comprising about 70-something percent of Congress, it's about time that we diversify things up, right? Absolutely. It's been it's been way beyond time. Oh, my God. I'm preaching to the choir, brother. Hey, where can everybody find you during the week, Chris? Thank you so much. You can find me at Facebook.com backslash Chris Bay, C-H-R-I-S. B is in broadcasting, A-S-E. Even though it's elevated to about maybe 85 Chris Bases, I am the original. Yeah, and I am the one and only. Actually, I'm kidding. There's about 17 or 18 of us on Facebook. Shaggy Jenkins, hey, encouraging you, please subscribe to our show on Spotify or Stitcher. And if you would really like to be one of our really good friends, you would jump over on Patreon and look for The Shaggy Jenkins Show. Chris, thanks so much for hanging out today. Oh, man. Thank you, brothers, always. Thank you. And to everybody else, have a safe and happy weekend. Until next time, love you, mean it. Aloha. Kate in, bye.